genre. Welcome back to The Doctor's Companion Presents Doctor Who, The Long Way Around, the weekly podcast where we review and discuss every episode of Doctor Who, one doctor at a time. I'm Cass Fredrickson. I'm Nick Jimenez. And I'm Scott Corelli. And today on the show, we'll be discussing the android invasion, the fourth doctor's ninth story. Yeah. Uh, So the android invasion, which is uh, written by uh, Madman Terry Nation. And uh, directed by Barry Letts, former producer for the show, uh, returning as a director now. Um, This is the first Terry Nation story in 11 years not to feature the Daleks. Uh, Prior to this, he's sort of had like a like an annual tradition with the show of like showing up and writing a Dalek story for them and then being like, all right, see you next year. Uh, And this year he was like, all right. Let's do a Dalek story. And they're like, how about we don't do a Dalek story this time? How about we do something new? And he was like, uh, okay. So he writes two stories. Um, and one of them is called, let's see, one of them is called The Enemy Within. The other one is called Return to Suknan or Suknan, Suknan. I don't know. S-U-K-N-A-N. Um, in any way, in any in any event, uh, that one um, didn't go anywhere. So <laughs> no one knows what that's about or or anything about it. Uh, but it happened, and then he they took the enemy within and they changed it to the crawls. And then uh, over the course of developing the scripts, it eventually became the android invasion. Um, and uh, you know, it's a uh, it's a it's an android invasion uh, story. It was basically based on this fear that people had at the time, this sort of like irrational fear that they were like, you know, Russia is a really big country with a lot of space. They could just design whole like replicas of our cities and then just have sleeper agents go in there and learn their way through our cities and then they would we they would they would know their way around and i they could do stuff i guess i don't know communism um <laughs> it was like that was like a real fear that people had and so terry nation was like let's do a story about that and so that's uh that's where this comes from um and uh that's kind of it uh they wanted nicholas courtney to be in this he was not available because he was uh, touring a a play of some sort. Mm. Um, I'm not sure if it was Shakespeare or what it was, but he was uh, in a touring uh, theater group at the time, and so he was not available. And so that's why they uh, made up this, like, corporal guy, whatever, the mm-hmm. guy at the end that's with the mustache. Colonel um, Faraday. Who, 
Yeah, Colonel. Yes, Car- Colonel Faraday. That guy. Um, he was the the sort of uh, Lethbridge Stewart um, uh, sit in, um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. That's uh, that's that's basically it. Um, while they were shooting, uh, Tom Baker had to get a stomach pump because he uh, he like jumped in a pond and yep. uh, drank too much brackish water. Oh my god! Uh, oh my god! You know they. they- <laughs> they so that happens in I believe part two. Yes, uh-huh. and there there's a part where I remember almost like making a note of it, where he goes underwater and hides in a pond, and then he emerges. And you know, like in a cartoon where someone will like spit out a fountain of water. Yeah, he he like spits out water, and the camera holds on him for I think like two whole beats. <laughs> That's a lot of water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um Ugh. Yeah, so he had to get his stomach <laughs> pumped after that. Um so yeah, and that's it. Everything else went kind of the way that it should have, and it was a pretty easy going shoot, all things considered. And you know, you look at the story and you're like, Yeah, I mean there's not much here that they haven't done a million times before. Mm-hmm. Um I but. I thought at one point towards the end you know when it was wrapping up and i was like oh okay like this is it this is almost just like a regular day in the doctor and sarah jane's life yeah (laughs) yeah yeah there's a moment in i think it's episode one when she when when sarah jane gets the first look at an android and she's like hiding behind a car and she sees its face and she's like oh my god and i'm just like sarah jane you've seen some tarans like what is what 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 about this android is freaking you out? But these so are people shaped and not potato shaped. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I mean, that's arguably her job is to be constantly, um, yeah, you know, stunned by every oh. everything that's happening. <laughs> yeah. Well, um. So we we talked about this last week a little bit uh going into this um how you know this is this story is just sort of like eh it's like kind of just like fine um especially it, it but it feels worse because it's surrounded by a bunch of like really really incredible Doctor Who episodes mm-hmm. in um this season of the show uh like the next episode we're going to talk about of the fourth doctor is like one of the greatest episodes of doctor who of all time mm-hmm. um so this one is just like it pales in comparison that being said i think the thing that really hurts this is that episode 2 or episode 1 rules and the rest of it is like just can't be com- just can't compare with that first episode. I think the first episode is like so good and creepy and such a good setup for a really good story that just immediately shits the bed. <laughs> as soon as you like meet the villains of this story, I think I'm just like, oh, okay. <laughs> this isn't as interesting as I had hoped that it would be. But it was that first one is really cool. Everybody like walking into the pub and like taking their places and then like you know, the bell chimes, then everybody starts acting normal. Like, that was, like, it's creepy and cool. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I really like that. So, um, I think that's my general uh, issue with this, is that the first episode rocks, and then the rest of it is like, eh. But uh, what did you guys think? Cass, did you 
feel any differently watching it this time? Um, I think I appreciated it a little more now, but like, like last week was good campy or like, I like that camp more than this camp. Um, I, yeah, it made me laugh, but for all the wrong reasons, like every time Sarah Jane pretends to like fall <laughs> is, is like the funniest, like she, at one point she like rolls down a hill and it's like the least it's 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 painful to watch but like really funny um i'm also like i i don't like robots so like this actually happening like watching like an android of myself like sit up out of a coffin would be like my worst nightmare um but i think wow i think the execution of this is a little boring like i don't I, yeah. I I wasn't really like into it until episode two actually, so it's interesting that you're like, yeah, episode one was really good because I thought it was kind of boring. I think oh. I think the episodes are too long too; they're like all over twenty six minutes, um, which is weird. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that is weird. Nick, what do you think? It really is, you know. It's like you know, in like more postmodern Doctor Who episodes where they'll do like a a drop into just a, a day and they're like running like quick Sarah Jane. Like we're getting chased by androids and it's like, Oh, this is just like a random adventure. Mm-hmm. Like uh-huh. this is one of, to me, this is like one of those. <laughs> like I, I think when I was having the most fun, it was just as always enjoying like the effortless, effortless chemistry of Sarah Jane and the doctor. Mm-hmm. Just like they're back and forth. Like, like literally just them walking through the woods in episode one. Was just like ah, these two. I love these two. <laughs> um, but other than that, just like very rudimentary, like just kind of Doctor Who by numbers. And you know, I love Doctor Who, so I didn't. It was an agony watching mm-hmm. this, but it it was like just as as it kept going, I was like, oh wow, really? There's nothing else. Like the devil's not going to come out, or <laughs> <laughs> I uh. I think that I I think at the end of the day, um, a couple of things hurt this. Uh, to me, I think not introducing, um, Harry Sullivan's double like early on. Like if he had been introduced like very early on, I think that would have been a really good connection. I also think like having the whole gang there, like Benson and and and. Lethbridge Stewart, I think all of them being like together as Android doubles, I think would have been like a really cool like first episode reveal. Mm. Um I also think things got weird too quickly. Whereas like it would have been cool if like it was just a hangout episode. Like the first one was like, hey, we're back in town, you know, like let's go get a drink at the pub or whatever. <laughs> and then like at the end of it, like everybody pauses and Sarah's Sarah and the doctor are like Wait, what's going on? Oh, yeah. I think that could have been that could have been really creepy. And, Scott, and that's cool. the world's end. Yeah. Well, but that's the <laughs> thing, right? That's what this is. This is the world's end. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's it's the world's end from like a different perspective. Um but uh in any event, um I I I think I think that I think that hurts it and then I think that Barry Letts isn't the most visually distinctive director um and i think these creatures look muddy 
and unmemorable. I could not describe to you describe them to you right now if you put a gun to my head. <laughs> I'd be like, I don't know. They're like brownish. They look like mud. I don't know. <laughs> you know? Um it, it, you know, they just you can't really describe them. And then, like, even the pods that the the androids come in mm-hmm. are like just this. I you can't even really describe what it is. Like, it's just it's like this. It's black, but it's not like a shape really. It's like yeah, it feels like you can see the fingerprints on it. You know, <laughs> I don't know. Um, it's uh, it so like I just. And I find that like every choice creatively that he he uses is like, I don't know, kind of just the most boring choice. And I think it's just because, like you said, he's been on the show for so long, you know, that like, like Nick said, it just becomes Doctor Who paint by numbers Mm -hmm. because of course it would be if it's like the guy who was a longtime producer of Doctor Who and was the producer of the era where Unit was like the big thing. Mm He's just coming into this and like doing this in his sleep, and you can kind of feel it, I think. So that's fair. Anyway, yeah, that's legit. But I always, I always do forget this one as a unit story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, because it does, unit really doesn't come into play until around uh, part three and four, I think. Right? Yeah, yeah. Proper unit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the building is in. There's a unit. I mean, <laughs> if you want to get right into it, like episode one just right. like starts starts immediately like, well, there's an android. He's and walking it, through the floor. <laughs> an incredible close up. <laughs> the Android Invasion, part one. Written by Terry Nation. Directed by Barry Letts. Produced by Philip Hinchcliffe. Script edited by Robert Holmes. Air date 22nd of November, 1975. A unit soldier walks jerkily through the woods as if in a trance. Nearby, the TARDIS materializes as the doctor explains that the linear coordinates were off and they could be miles from London. Sarah is just glad to be back on Earth. The doctor gets strange radiation readings from the area and they head toward the nearest village to investigate. As they walk, the doctor and Sarah meet four figures in white overalls wearing helmets with dark-tinted visors. When the doctor asks them for directions, they shoot at them and the Doctor and Sarah are forced to run away. Sarah slips down a hillside and clings to a cliff edge. As the Doctor helps her up, they see the soldier jerkily making his way towards the cliff's edge. The Doctor shouts at him to stop, but he ignores the Doctor and leaps to his death. The Doctor searches the body. He finds a wallet full of shiny, freshly minted coins, all dated the same year. They also spot a casket-shaped pod nearby, which the Doctor finds familiar. Before he can identify it, shots ring out. The white-suited figures have found them again. The Doctor and Sarah run for it, avoiding their pursuers. They reach a village which Sarah recognizes it lies about a mile from a space defense station. The village, however, is deathly quiet and seems empty. The Doctor decides to try the local pub, but it too is empty. And the Doctor finds the same freshly minted coins in the register. A large pickup truck arrives full of what seem to be villagers all acting similarly entranced as the soldier from earlier. Two of the white overall figures emerge from the truck's cab and help the villagers off the truck, and they distribute themselves around the village. Several of them enter the pub while Sarah and the doctor hide in the storeroom. The villagers take their seats silently, waiting motionless until the clock strikes eight, whereupon they suddenly come to life, acting normally. 
The doctor intends to get to the space defense station and contact unit. He leaves, telling Sarah to meet him at the TARDIS if anything goes wrong. However, the entranced soldier, who apparently isn't dead, finds her in the storeroom and questions her. The pub's landlord suggests that Sarah might be part of the test. When Sarah asks what the test is, he tells Sarah that she should go. Outside, Sarah observes one of the white overall figures turn around, revealing a robotic face. Sarah runs for the woods, reaching the TARDIS, where she spots another casket-shaped pod next to it and goes to examine it, leaving the TARDIS key in the lock. Suddenly, the TARDIS dematerializes. As Sarah is still trying to understand why, a hand reaches out from the pod. Startled, Sarah sees a man lying inside. When she goes closer and asks the man if she can help, he grabs her by the throat. Sarah breaks free and runs. At the defense station, the doctor asks his soldier where the commanding officer is. The soldier just stares ahead, unresponsive. Also inside the building, senior defense astronaut Guy Crayford is addressed by a disembodied voice named Stygron, who tells him there is a random unit within the complex and orders him to check it out. The doctor enters the office of Brigadier Lethbridge Stewart. It is empty. Crayford enters and points a gun at him. The doctor introduces himself as unit scientific advisor. Crayford has heard of him, but as the brigadier is in Geneva and Colonel Faraday is in command, there is no one to confirm the doctor's identity. He could be an imposter. Before Crayford can have the doctor taken to detention, the doctor flips the desk over and runs. He makes it outside before he's recaptured by the white overall figures. Sarah sees this and sneaks into the building. She goes to the doctor's cell and unlocks the door, unaware that from behind a wall, an alien face is observing them. I kind of wish that they, uh, like, the opening shot is creepy, but I kind of wish they hadn't given it away so soon. Like, you just see this guy walk off a cliff, and you're like, oh, God. And then he turns yeah. up later alive. Right. Yeah. yeah, we, the audience, are like, oh, hey, it's that, it's that android. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's also stupid because... <laughs> The androids never sound like that ever again. Like in the rest of the show, they're not like walk and make an android noise. Right. It's just this one guy. <laughs> That's how they would be moving if the doctor and Sarah Jane weren't here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they switch their legs to silent. Yeah. Silent mode. <laughs> silent <Yeah>. mode, lads. <laughs> Uh, so when they, but uh, cause otherwise if, if you cut that, the episode just starts with the doctor and Sarah Jane emerging from the TARDIS and she's like, boy, we don't know where the hell we are today. Do we doctor? And the doctor's like, we sure don't. And like, <laughs> that's, that, that, that's like almost like too generic of a way to start an episode. Like that's happened yeah. hundreds of times. Cause, um, yeah. cause she, the last one we saw was what pyramids of Mars. So, like, she's been trying mm-hmm. to, like, go home, and he's been trying to get her home. So I think, like, her whole thing is just, like, oh, are we actually in England in the right year right. now? Because, like, that spooky 1900 shit was, like. <laughs> Not into that. Yeah. <laughs> no, she's over him, this whole story, and I, I really dig it. I love her outfit. It's the most, like, oh, yeah. delightfully 70s thing. Yeah. <laughs> There's a part where she's like on a where she's getting like strapped like to a slab or something in episode two, and you get a good look at her shoes. Mm-hmm. And mm. I was like, "Oh, cool! They have like like a print. They have like a like a cool like floral print on them." Oh, she's styling. That's good. Yeah, 
She has. I think she's like the most stylish companion. I don't know. Joe wears some like Clara. pretty, pretty crazy stuff that you haven't seen yet. True. Yeah. I haven't seen it. Yeah. I feel like, um, uh, what's the blonde's name? The, the companion, Rose. the first doctor companion. Uh. <laughs> I knew you were going to do that. I knew it. Uh, Paul- as soon as I said it, was that blonde? Polly? P- Polly? Yeah. 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 Isn't Polly like kind of stylish? I re- I oh, yeah. Remember she that. has like all that like- 60s mod stuff. Yeah. 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 She's pretty cool. Listeners, let us know. Um, who do you think the most stylish companion is? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're going to say somebody from the modern. Sure. <laughs> I Dan- think. Dan. <laughs> Dan. <laughs> <laughs> you know there really is for uh you know kind of yeah a mediocre story i think there's a lot of like proto new who in this though mm-hmm. like, sure like at the very beginning when he's like oh eeny meeny miny mo let's go this way and they're just kind of like walking it's it reminded me of like platonic ten and rose yeah yeah there's I think that's the thing that um, the fourth Doctor era, it's like the first era of the show that like clicked with every, like lots of people, like especially overseas. And so, you know, I mean, he's like, he was like the most popular Doctor of all time for like a really, really long time. Um, And uh, and I think that's the reason why it's like, it's that dynamic. Um, that I think New Who attempts to recreate every time now. Um, but like prior to this, you know, even the third doctor, as much as I like him with Joe and with later with Sarah Jane, it still feels like a mentor mentee relationship as opposed to this, where it's like, that's an element of it, but then there's also the reverse element of like Sarah Jane just like trying to get her ADHD kid to like stop <laughs> playing with touching things that he shouldn't be touching, you know? Um, it's that combination, that give and take mm-hmm. that I think makes a really good doctor companion relationship. Yeah, there's there's that moment in episode one where she is busting him out of the the prison cell. Um, and he's like, oh, Sarah, yeah. is that you? And she's just like, yeah, I'm here to rescue you for once. Like, I, and I just, <laughs> <laughs> I like that they, like, called attention to it, but also, like, they, they feel like the most on equal footing, I think, of, um, a lot of the classic doctors and companions. Um, cause, like, he's still kind of, like, condescending to her, but not as much, I think, with some of the other ones, you know? Yeah, it's like just the the, condes- the condescension, but just the power dynamic is just yeah. implicitly different. Yeah, because mm-hmm. she's been around longer than it's- like he has. Well, I mean, because Sarah Jane was with Pertwee before Tom Baker showed up. So like, mm-hmm. I don't know. She's like the senior member yeah. of the crew, you know? Right. Yeah. And I don't know, like she gets involved in the story. A lot like you know she isn't just she has knowledge is it part one where we learn uh like about grayford how like grayford's dead or mm-hmm. grayford died already or is that in episode two um i don't 
I think it's part two. They don't really talk to a yeah. They don't really okay. talk to a lot of people in part one. Right. So the the doctor finds like a, a what he thinks is unit offices, and that's where he meets uh, a character named Grayford who has an, an eye patch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> which we learn is purely cosmetic. <laughs> 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 <And> he, <laughs> he's just never thought to like, hey, do I do I still have an eye? Right. Like <laughs> you wouldn't be able to see like you can still see underneath. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> He's brainwashed. <laughs> um, it was fun watching this before I knew that this wasn't the real unit because it was just like, oh, I like that he's just breaking into unit and they're shooting at him and he's just like, well, all right, you know, I don't have a, I don't have a badge. This is yeah. what happens. You know? <laughs> um. Yeah. So they, yeah, but they the unit headquarters is empty. Um they find a village that's empty. You get a little we get a little uh folklore crossover with with our last episode a little bit. Mm, I caught um, that too, yeah. Yeah. Uh which is which is pretty pretty nice. Um but uh yeah, the truck full of like android people just like brought in from out of town <laughs> just dropped <laughs> off at the pub. <laughs> it's creepy man it's cool though i like it oh uh there's a part where sarah jane finds like those pods that you mentioned earlier scott that the androids are like right. charging in and she sees like a, a a dead guy for all intents and purposes and or he's like conscious or he's awake but like sarah jane gets down and like asks if she's okay <laughs> and it just like homer simpson starts to strangle her <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, she like really walks in. I was like, "Well, Sarah Jane, you walked into that one." I don't, you know, like I don't know what to tell you. Sarah, you are. <laughs> uh, She's too nice. Uh, that was that before or after the TARDIS disappears? I think it's right after, right? Yes. The TARDIS just bails in this one. She puts the key in, and then it's like, "Well, I'm out of here." <laughs> This is Android country. (laughs) (laughs) I think um, I think they do a pretty good job of like seeding all of the clues like early on. Um, Because are we are we done with part one? Are we moving on to part two? Oh, Uh, um, (laughs) so one thing I want to say about the cliffhanger is, uh, you know, the doctor and Sarah Jane are I think. Oh, yeah. Sarah Jane's about to, like, break the doctor out of yeah. the little jail cell that he's in. And the camera pans up, and we get a close-up of the monster's eye, like, Scooby-Doo-style spying on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I got I got really excited because I thought that was a Centaurin. Me too. <laughs> and I'd yep. seen this one already. O- honestly, honestly, <laughs> this story would be so much better if those were Centaurins. If even- instead of, like... A new character. It was the crawl because then they they're like practicing for like Earth domination. That feels like something that the Centaurans would do. Mm-hmm. Of like, let's strategize. Let's that's a, that's an aspect of the Centaurans we've never even seen before. Is like, how do they train? Right. We've never seen them train. They just like show up pre-trained for like every scenario. Like mm-hmm. it would have been a really cool story to like see them like coming up with a new like battle plan and like 
how they go through it and everything. Do you think that maybe they didn't want to do Centaurans because they just did it like the previous, like in the first Tom Baker season? With that really bad one? Well, uh, yeah. Well, I think that they, I think that they were avoiding any uh, retreading of villains this season. Oh, that's fair. Um, hmm. Yeah, it's all, it's all new villains. So I don't even think it would have crossed their mind that there should be Centaurans, mm-hmm. but like. This should have been Centaurians. This would have been like a really good Centaurian yeah, story, yeah. I think. And, you know, you brought up the Cold War kind of inspiration behind this. And that kind of bleeds into that. It's like, oh, yeah, like they are the Soviet Union, like yeah. out there, you know, obsessively training to like outsmart the, the West or mm-hmm. Earth. Right. <laughs> yeah. The Android Invasion, part two, written by Terry Nation, directed by Barry Letts, produced by Philip Hitchcliffe. Script edited by Robert Holmes, air date 29th of November, 1975. The alarm sounds, indicating the doctor's escape. Crayford sends his unit soldiers to stop them. While hiding in a storage cupboard, the doctor tells Sarah about Crayford. But she says it can't be Crayford because he never made it back to Earth after his ship was lost during a deep space testing mission. The doctor and Sarah venture out to find Benton standing in the reception area. He points a pistol at them. But when Crayford cancels the kill order, Benton seems to be dizzy, giving the Doctor and Sarah a chance to run away. Crayford asks Harry Sullivan to cordon off the perimeter road. The Doctor and Sarah decide to return to the village and warn London, but are chased by dogs. Sarah twists her ankle in the woods, and the Doctor uses her scarf to lure away the dogs. Ultimately, however, she is captured by soldiers while the Doctor continues on. Stygron tells Crayford to locate but not seize the Doctor. He has other plans for him. Sarah, meanwhile, is strapped to a table in an alien-looking room where Harry starts to scan her. Stygron speaks to another of his kind, named Chidaki, who feels the time for experiments are over, but Stygron insists that they must confirm their techniques as flawless. Stygron contacts Crayford and tells him to commence the final test. Meanwhile, the doctor finds the telephones in the village are not working. In the pub, the doctor finds more oddities, like an unused dartboard, and a tear-off calendar with only one date. The telephone rings, and it's for the doctor. It's Sarah, who tells him she has been captured but escaped. She asks the doctor to meet her by the village shop and to be careful of the robots. The doctor meets Sarah, who explains how she escaped. The doctor remarks on the providence of her finding the only telephone in the village that worked. He believes they are being tested to find out how smart they are. He decides to take Sarah to the TARDIS and use the radio there. However, the TARDIS is gone. The doctor is puzzled. The ship is not programmed to auto-operate unless... He asks Sarah for her TARDIS key. When she claims she has lost it, the doctor tells her that she never had it. When Sarah put the key in the lock, she released the TARDIS's pause control, and it continued its journey to Earth. Meaning, this is not Earth. This is not a real forest, and she is not the real Sarah. The imposter responds by drawing a pistol on the doctor who explains that he knew immediately that she was not the genuine article. The real Sarah wasn't wearing her scarf, which he pulls out of his coat pocket. Knocking the pistol out of the imposter's hand, he grabs it by the shoulders and demands to know where the real Sarah is. The imposter pulls free but falls to the ground, its face popping open and revealing the electronics underneath. So yeah, so part two is just like, you know, they're like on the run. There's a lot of time spent in this story of like Sarah Jane and the doctor being together, getting separated, 
meeting back again and immediately separating and then meeting back again, immediately separating. It's um, the classic it's really, Well, mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, but it, it's it's done in such a way that I want to say is better than the way that it's done most of the time. Because usually, because it's a tricky balance because yeah. you can do it for too long and then it feels like they're not together at all, you mm-hmm. know? But it's so like you keep them separated for too long and it's and it's bad. But like, I mean, you know, I'm never going to complain if they're just together the whole time. But like, you know, then mm-hmm. the doctor's always there to get to get the companion out of scra- scrapes. So like, I think they did a pretty good job of like almost not making me notice what they were doing. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I think there might be at least one rescue every episode of this. Yeah. That sounds about right. Um, yeah, but it's but it's here early on in this episode where we we do get uh, so doc the doctor mentions to Sarah Jane like oh I met this weird dude named Grayford, and Sarah Jane's like but the doctor Grayford died <laughs> going into deep space. I wish I wish everyone called him the doctor, <laughs> but the doctor. <laughs> That's his first name. Oh, the doctor. Uh, Yes, the doctor. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, So he's he's like, oh, uh, (laughs) the the doctor, Great Grapeford, died going into deep space two years ago this very night. You you couldn't have seen... And he, there is like, we I, there was seen the, the just, in 25 years. <laughs> and then they do a, a close up on Tom Baker, and he is doing like a ghost. Like, you just saw Large March. That'd be great. I wish, I wish when he lifted his eye patch, some claymation shenanigans <laughs> happened underneath <laughs> in his eye he had like a crazy like <laughs> scares the doctor yeah <laughs> uh, anyway. <laughs> a little little Pee Wee's big adventure uh references for, for you sure. guys at home um <laughs> anyway uh yeah um here's something that i've noticed speaking of the one of another uh, example of the many things that this story does that we've seen a billion times mm-hmm. before, and we'll see a billion times more on as we go through the show. Um, the alien villain of the story talking to their human assistant through a view mm-hmm. screen while standing in what appears to be an alien closet of some sort. Mm-hmm. Holy moly, how many episodes do we get that in? <laughs> like slightly off screen, so we only see like the weird latex hands. Like... Yes. <laughs> you fool. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. I say, br- I say bring it back. I say we don't get it enough these days. <laughs> <laughs> You're probably right. Probably right. I could have, I could have used to see uh, a lot of Chibnall's villains a little less. I'll be honest. <laughs> they were, oh sure, they were, they were tough to look at. They were tough to look at. 
They could have been off screen more. <laughs> Didn't we just get like through a screen um shenanigans in the the one with the sea devils that just came out? Am I misremembering I don't that? Remember. Oh. I don't remember. I think you're that. right. I think there think I think there were some like mind communicating like do my bidding from afar yeah, this is my evil lab yeah, yeah. scott for a hundred dollars what were the names of the two twins from from flux <laughs> no no <laughs> nothing okay the the, the bad guys <laughs> yeah the two bad guys oh <laughs> who fucking cares <laughs> Oh man! Sorry, this is a family. Yeah, I just remembered. <laughs> somebody, I saw somebody. Somebody suggested the other day. I don't remember where I saw this, but somebody was like, <laughs> "I think it was like a Doctor Who account I follow for like spy pics." Um, and uh, they were like, they were like, they were like, so in the final Jody's episode. Do you think they're going to deal with the timeless child stuff at all, or are they just going to have like? a big adventure to like see her off. And I was like, can you imagine if they just don't deal with the timeless child stuff (laughs) at all? They just never come back to it. And he's just like, you know what? That was a failed experiment. We're moving on and I'm getting out of here. That would be the ballsiest thing I have ever heard of. And I could not like, I would just have to respect him for that. (laughs) (laughs) And Juno's like, hey, Russell, I left you a surprise. It's called The Timeless Child. Didn't explain it. It's all yours. And and Russell's just like, thanks, Chibs, and just tosses it in the garbage. There's a huge file called Tech (laughs) Tayoon. Oh, man. Oh, man. God, the, the BBC that. just posted a picture like the other day. Um, I'm dating this recording, but the other day mm. of uh, of like the legendary uh, Tim Shaw and was just, like literally, <laughs> no way. literally called him that in the thing. What? The legendary <laughs> Tim Shaw. And I'm just like, guys. <laughs> wait, wait. Are you saying you saw a spy pic of him? No, 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 no. Like the BBC just oh. like posted just like some random okay. like. I don't know. Some like, you know, like, hey, don't forget Doctor Who's a thing. We'd still make the show. Got it. Um, mm-hmm. it was it was like that kind of post. And it was just like okay. a picture of Tim Shaw just like legendary looking mean. And they were like, remember this guy? And it's like, I'd rather not. <laughs> <He's got laughs> teeth in his face. <laughs> I don't know. Teeth face. Yeah. They even used a tooth emoji, I think, at the end. Um, Ew. Great. Yeah. Yeah. I know. It's like, you don't need to, we can see that. We don't need to, you don't need to remind us. <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> oh, uh, so during that part I mentioned earlier where, is that where, is that where Sarah Jane meets the robot version of, of Harry? Yes. Uh-huh. Right? Mm-hmm. And then tricks her and then she's getting strapped into that iron slab. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a part where I think it's robot Harry is like, oh, it's okay. It's, a, uh, it's okay, Sarah Jane. Everything will be all right. And Sarah Jane's like, oi. <laughs> and, and I, I remember thinking it was like the most English sound I'd ever heard. 
Uh, oh, oh, that's what I was talking about earlier, and then I forgot. Um, so, so there's that part where, because spoilers, she turns into an android because they like strap her to the table and take her memories. Um, and then the doctor's hanging out with Android Sarah for like the back half of the episode. Mm-hmm. And I really like in part one when they're just like bantering and walking through the woods. She's just like, oh, no, I I don't like ginger beer. And so like the doctor like offers her some in part two and she like drinks it and she's just like, oh, this is delicious. And he's just like, "Uh oh, this isn't Sarah. But I like that (laughs) the reveal kind of he like kind of wants to confirm it more than that. And the the cliffhanger is like, yeah, interesting. (laughs) Yeah. It, yeah, the cliffhanger is really, but yeah, it's cool because like it. I, I remembered clocking the the ginger beer thing at the beginning, mm-hmm. and then I think Elizabeth Sladen is playing her android self really well, where it's just the right amount of off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then, and then you clock Baker's realization, right? And it just all plays really well, and it just is like it's dialed in. So there's a really funny story about that though, because originally that was not supposed to be the reveal. Oh, really? <laughs> and yeah. So in the script, the way that Terry Nation wrote it, he was like, yeah, so when you see the androids you and you, they don't know that they're androids, there's something off about them, but they can't figure out what it is. And what they realize is that they are literally reflections. And so everything is the opposite. Like, they're like... They're like they're like flipped. So like if like their hair is parted on the right, it's parted on the left on the on the android because they're like, you know, like the mirror image. <laughs> yeah. And, and so like that's how it was. And then like the doctor like figures out like, don't you see like Harry parts his hair on the right. And it's, it's on the left. He's an android. Um, That was the original thing. And Barry Letts got the script and he's like he's literally going to shoot it. And he's just like. This seems too complicated. Let's just let's just not do this. <laughs> and then came up with the ginger beer thing like on the fly. See, that's that's awesome though, because it like it works. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. yeah. <laughs> and uh the kind of even like I guess the the middle part in between that is the doctor is a part in part two where the doctor's just like kind of just killing time in a pub. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he meets that robot bartender and he he orders a gin- he orders one ginger beer and then he orders an additional ginger beer to go, right? And like that's the one that he has has pocketed for Sarah Jane later. Loves the ginger beer. They should bring that back. <laughs> they should. Just <laughs> getting drunk on ginger beer and jelly babies. <laughs> sugar high. <laughs> that's a lot of sugar. Yeah. <laughs> getting all hopped up. <laughs> Thirteen, thirteen seems like the like the doctor that would have a sweet tooth. I think, or a doctor that would have a sweet tooth. Yeah, I also think that she could have used more, uh, you know, like getting distracted by thing by, by shiny things that her companions were like. Can you focus? Can you come back? <laughs> um, I think that would have been uh, a fun uh, element for her as a character. But <sighs> anyway. Um, like uh like like if if she hap if she st- if she happened upon like a pub and the pub was like oh for some reason the beer's not coming out of the tap like the doctor would lose an afternoon like fixing it or, like, <laughs> yeah 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 
I also, I also <laughs> like, I, I wouldn't mind if like she was just like, you know, marching around somebody like just like march around the TARDIS and like talking through like a really serious problem they're having while like mixing up a chocolate milk and they're like what are you doing it's like having a chocolate milk yeah <laughs> you know yeah like are you yeah yeah oh <laughs> uh, uh what, what are the aliens called scott uh crawls the crawls yeah uh, there's a part where the two crawls are like arguing over what to do about the doctor and the secondary crawl says that uh, like, no, you know, we can't keep the doctor alive. His entire existence is in opposition to conquest. <laughs> that's a, that's a Terry nation line. If I've ever heard yeah. one, <laughs> I was like, hell yeah, he is. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that made, that immediately makes me think of like um, uh, eleven speech at the end of eleventh hour mm. when he like calls them back to the planet. <laughs> it's oh, like, yeah. what are you gonna do? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what that reminds me of. Um, is the cast was the 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 cliffhanger to this the. Sarah Jane's like Android face falling off. Yeah, her face popping off. Yeah. Yeah. Was uh there was a lot of this going on like in sci-fi at the time, right? Yeah, because this was around the time of like Westworld. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Kind of like uh what we were talking about uh last week with, with uh the demons and the whole like um the folk horror movement. Folk horror, yeah, movement and and uh the uh, satanic panic and all of that. Um, there was like, yeah, there was like a lot of Android shenanigans and like, cause this was also around the time of um, the uh, invasion of the body snatchers remake. Yeah. Mm. Like, yeah, I was going to say like being replaced. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And, and like, who can you trust and all of that cold war stuff. Mm-hmm. The commies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we all watch Stranger Things. The Android Invasion Part 3. Written by Terry Nation. Directed by Barry Letts. Produced by Philip Hinchcliffe. Script edited by Robert Holmes. Air date 6th of December, 1975. As the Doctor retreats from Android Sarah, Chidaki tells Stygron it was a foolish experiment. The Doctor could ruin their plans. Stygron dismisses this, however pointing out that the village and the doctor will be destroyed by a matter-dissolving bomb. The real Sarah is being kept alive, so Stygron can test the virus he intends to use to cleanse the earth of human life. All the while, Sarah is feigning unconsciousness, and when the coast is clear, she gets up and sneaks away. The doctor watches the truck drive into the village and evacuate the androids to the crawl base. The doctor is grabbed from behind by Stygron, who gets two of the white overall figures to tie him up, while the crawl places the bomb at the doctor's feet. Luckily, Sarah has made it back to the village. She uses the doctor's sonic screwdriver to cut his bonds. They run into the base and shut the door as the village dissolves into a wasteland. The two are quickly surrounded by androids who escort them to their cell. The doctor tells Sarah that they should have realized the radiation levels he picked up when they landed were those of the crawl home planet, which will soon be uninhabitable. This is why the crawls are invading Earth. The duplicated village and their androids are a training ground. 
Crayford enters the cell and tells the Doctor his plan to return to Earth as a long-lost hero, only to lead the Crawl's invasion of Earth. He is helping the Crawls because while Earth left him for dead in deep space, the Crawls rescued his ship and rebuilt his body. The Crawls only want to survive and have also promised him no humans will be harmed as long as they obey. Stygron gets Android Harry to place a drop of the human-killing virus in a jug of water to be taken to the cell. When he arrives with the water, the doctor hides the open floor plate and wiring he was tinkering with to escape. Harry takes him away, but before the doctor goes, he tells Sarah not to waste the water. The doctor is strapped to the crawl analysis table. It will copy all of his knowledge and experience just like it did with Sarah. Despite what Stygron has told Crayford, he reveals he does intend to kill all humans. Earth's resources are too limited to be wasted on an inferior species. The virus distributed by androids will wipe the Earth clean in three weeks, then burn itself out. Stygron will signal the invasion fleet. Stygron leaves the machine to do its work, which will ultimately result in the Doctor's skull being burst apart. Sarah rigs the wiring beneath the cell floor and sets a small fire to lure the android guard. He steps in the puddle of water and is electrocuted when Sarah applies the power cable. She makes her way to the Doctor and turns off the screen. They board Crayford's rocket just as it launches, and the G-forces start to crush them. So in the third one, this is two episodes in a row where the Doctor is tied to a stake. Mm. <laughs> in the middle of the square, yep. In the middle of the square, <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Unit, man. Yeah, it happens. <laughs> and it's like with vines, too, so it's like extra like bulky. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> uh, there's a part where Sarah Jane's like, quit quit standing around. He's like, I'm not standing around. I'm literally tied here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then she she frees him. Oh, because there's like a nuke that's about to go off. Mm-hmm. And she like frees him. And then as soon as he's free, he like sprints out of there and like leaves Sarah Jane in the dust. <laughs> She's like, you don't even know where you're going. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god the the effect when when they get in like the shelter oh, yeah. and the bomb goes off but the shelter door isn't quite closed yet and it just like everything goes to slow-mo for like 20 seconds is the funniest thing <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> oh man <laughs> uh this is this is where we learn more about grayford's plan uh he he monologues at some point that he, the Kroll, have agreed that they're going to grant him p- passage back to Earth so he can get the hero's welcome that he feels like he never got. Because he kind of resents humanity for not looking after, looking for him harder or more. And mm-hmm. he's like, yeah, and in, in return, they're just going to like soft conquer humanity, but they promise no one's going to get hurt. And... <laughs> The doctor's just looking at him like he's like the biggest idiot in the galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> because he is. Like it's pity more than like anger. It's like, yeah. oh boy. He's just like, oh Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Um but yeah, this whole thing was a an invasion chit test to see if uh they could like train these android things to like take over 
everybody. But yeah, it's literally like watching the plan from the world's end with the blanks, Mm -hmm. but from the perspective of the blanks. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's very strange. Do you think Edgar Uh, Wright was influenced by this one? Because he's he's a big Doctor Who fan. So I feel like he I feel like I read him mentioning it before. Oh, Um, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm gonna look this up because it was a crazy. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. There was a crazy part in part two where the doctor orders a pint, and for a second I'm like, "Whoa!" But then it was ginger beer. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Oh, I wanted to. I actually I reminded myself. I wanted to ask both of you: is is ten the first doctor to get canonically hammered? Um. (laughs) <laughs> well Pertree drinks brandy all the time um but he's mm. like a man about it he doesn't get like sloshed <laughs> he just has he just has a steady buzz going through all of his stories <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so i just found the thing and he says okay so he says i was such a big doctor who fan growing up and i think in a weird way to the point where i would read the novelizations I would read the target novelizations and sometimes the target novelizations would conjure images in your head that the TV show could not live up to. I know the Autons are great, but reading those books, my image of what the Autons would be like in Spearhead from Space or Terror of the Autons would not quite match when I watched the actual episode. But strangely, they then sort of had an influence on things like The World's End. And bizarrely, when my film came out, somebody said... Was this based on the Tom Baker episode, The Android Invasion? And I was like, I've never seen that one. But then I thought, (laughs) wait, I've read the novelization. And then I watched it. And watching Android Invasion, I was kind of like, this is like watching a very low-budget version of The World's End. That's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Because, yeah, I was thinking about that the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Like, the paranoia. Yeah, mm-hmm. the pub, mm-hmm. the pub, the the, br- the Britishness of it all. Right. <laughs> They're called the crawls. They're on a pub crawl. Wow. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Dang. That's the only thing missing, though, is that in this episode, if just like every hour, the Doctor and Sarah Jane had to like down a pint. <laughs> <laughs> the only way to be sure we're not androids <laughs> do it Sarah Jane <laughs> alright alright <laughs> yes is this uh, the episode where she electrocutes that robot with the virus water yes yes okay yeah is that yeah where she's like hiding in the corner for a little bit and like yeah. they pull up their guns at the exact yeah that was crazy yeah when he <laughs> when he tells her not to waste the water on hydrating herself <laughs> you got to electrocute the android don't drink anything <laughs> oh man and then the cliffhanger to this one was crazy like they escape in the rocket yeah and it's just like an extreme close up of Sarah Jane's face getting like smushed down by the the pressure yeah the 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 g-forces the g-force it's so bad yeah because this is also the episode where the doctor gets copied 
Yes. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he gets he gets. T- they're like, here, we brought you food and drink. Anyway, the doctor here coming with us. <laughs> <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't get a chance to have any of it. <laughs> Why? Uh, um, remind me. Could this have been an Auton story? Like, what are the Autons' deal? Uh, I, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess it, it could have been. I mean, they've been under the control of the master before, so theoretically, I guess. Um, but I don't know. Typically, they are just their own. They're their own thing. So, mm-hmm. like, do they also take like replace people and take human shape? No. Yeah. I no. Mean- think okay, so because their whole thing is like plastic right so like they oh right yeah well yeah they right. replace things like toys <laughs> yeah yeah and like the, the mannequins and stuff yeah oh yeah. yes okay so but not like replacing a person right got it they didn't get that good until Moffat because even because even Mickey's was like obviously he looked like a Ken doll like oh was, my god yeah looked... you're right with the weird yeah. like pizza sweats, yeah, I just... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't until Rory that like I think they perfected the like humanoid looking Auton. I forgot that was even a thing, and uh, I like. I'm oh man, you don't like... remember? <laughs> no, you don't I do remember now. The, <laughs> the hand, the... <laughs> yeah, the most amazing <laughs> cliffhanger of all time. I remember, I remember jumping out of my couch when that happened. That when his <laughs> hand drops down, I'm like, what? <laughs> Yeah, I remember that. The Android Invasion, Part 4, written by Terry Nation, directed by Barry Letts, produced by Philip Hinchcliffe, script edited by Robert Holmes, air date 13th of December, 1975. Sarah blacks out but is awakened by the doctor. He tells her that there is a more dangerous ride ahead. Before the rocket lands, the pods will be ejected. The doctor and Sarah will need to ride two of them to Earth to warn the real defense station. He cannot guarantee they will survive the trip. As they talk, neither notices a nearby pod open to reveal an android doctor. On Earth, Colonel Faraday is informed that Crayford's rocket is nearby. Meanwhile, having found the TARDIS in the woods near the village, the real Benton and Harry have been searching for the doctor and Sarah to no avail. Benton is worried. He has never known the doctor to leave the TARDIS key in its lock. As Crayford's rocket enters the atmosphere, his radio signal with Earth is broken up by the fake meteor shower of pods, just as planned. Some of the pods land in a nearby field. One opens up to reveal the doctor. However, he is unable to find Sarah. Sarah, having landed elsewhere, finds the TARDIS in the woods. As she walks around, the doctor taps her on the shoulder. However, this doctor is an android. Behind it, a pod opens to reveal another Sarah replica, and the real Sarah runs for it. The real doctor enters the station and confusingly tells the soldier in the lobby that if he sees the doctor again today, he is to report it to him immediately. The doctor goes to the scanner room, leaving the soldier puzzled. When Benton tells him where Harry and Faraday are, the doctor contacts them on the radio and urges them not to enter the rocket. He will meet them at the lift. The doctor tells Colonel Faraday about the crawl invasion, but he is too late. Harry and Faraday have been replaced, and the android doctor is pointing a gun at him. He slams the door in the android's face and leaps through a window. Outside, he meets Sarah. 
The doctor tells Sarah their only chance is to stop the androids before they take over the complex. He runs back towards the scanner room, bluffing his way inside by posing as his own duplicate, while Sarah climbs up the rocket towards the real Harry and Stygron. In an attempt to block the crawl signal to the androids, the doctor suggests a satellite modification. As a technician finishes work on the satellite's programming, he is shot by the android doctor before he can turn on the power. Crayford enters, saying Stygron promised no killing. The android doctor calls him a fool and tells him about the virus. Crayford cannot believe this, but the real doctor confirms the truth, telling Crayford that he's actually been brainwashed by the crawl. As Crayford rushes out, he distracts the android long enough for the doctor to activate the radar, jamming the signal to all the androids in mid-step. In the rocket, Sarah unties Harry and Faraday. Stygron enters holding a ray gun on them, but Crayford attacks him and is shot. The doctor suddenly makes his own entrance, punching the crawl who falls on the vial of the virus, cracking it open. Before he dies from the effects of the virus, Stygron manages to shoot the doctor. Fortunately, it was just the android doctor. The real doctor shows up and reveals he had programmed his duplicate to distract Stygron. Having successfully stopped the invasion of the crawl, Sarah and the doctor make their way back to the TARDIS. Sarah says she is going to take a taxi home, but when the doctor offers to take her home instead, she smiles. How can I refuse? They enter the ship and it vanishes. You know, the androids would be a cool character to bring back. I think, like, I don't know, because when you get, because in this one, in part four, we are introduced to the 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 android doctor mm-hmm. and i and they've totally done this before in modern new but i always think it's fun when they let their doctor get to play an evil nefarious doppelganger version of themselves mm-hmm. yeah like i don't like i don't love nightmare and silver but it is pretty cool when like doc you know when the 11th was called anyway when he gets to be a uh, cyber doctor yeah and then there's the um, the doppelganger episode, right? The, uh, the flesh, the the rebel flesh, or whatever. Yes, yeah, um, yeah. With that, with the with the mush face doctor, this mm. weird <laughs> clay smooth <laughs> clay face doctor. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> gangers, they were called gangers. Gangers, yes. The. It, it, it was like the uh it was like the uh um was that episode written by Chibnall? It feels like it was written by Chibnall. <laughs> I feel like we've looked this up before and it wasn't, but it has like the most Chibnall esque vibes that it just feels yeah. like it. Yeah. I know we keep just bring up like cool stuff they could have done with thirteen, but like it would it would have been cool to see like evil thirteen. Yeah. Yeah, do we get yeah. like an evil twelve uh, or twelve? I think we had times where we thought he was had gone bad. That's yeah, I true. think that's probably why we didn't. Yeah, probably why we didn't. That'd have been cool um, if his evil android was like really nice, right? And then Clara's yeah. like, "What's wrong with you?" <laughs> <laughs> Hello. <laughs> And then, uh, and then part four. I mean, the highlight of part four, I think, is um, it's got to be Tom Baker versus Tom Baker, right? Yes. Like, yes. I, I've never, I've never, I, I don't think I've ever, like, a louder laugh has ever escaped 
my face watching classic who then when that the the Tom Baker just leaps like just wrestling like <laughs> leaps on top of the other doctor. <laughs> that was that was wild. Cause it it comes out of nowhere. And so it's just like it I just burst out laughing. I gotta wrestle now. <laughs> oh man. That was good. It was a good stunt double. Good wig. Mm. Yeah. He does like a proper like some of the Pertwee kind of jumps out for a few seconds. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah Do you think good. that was just his regular stunt double? Probably, right? I don't know why it wouldn't be. Because like, why you do, do it any other way. How, how many people that tall are, are in England? You know? <laughs> it's true. It's Can like him and Chewbacca, like, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> like rolling up to work that day and you're like, okay, you got to fight your stunt double today. What if his stunt double was? What if his stunt oh. double was Peter Mayhew? Oh my god! Like, like, like prior to Star Wars, you know? Oh, you worked on Doctor Who. That's cool. Yeah. I feel like I feel like we would have heard about that if that were the yeah. case. That would that would be like the most incredible like career. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Anyway, uh, I like all the because you say, yeah, doctor versus doctor. But for a while, it's kind of it's doctor versus doctor, like spy versus spy. Like, yeah, they, they keep setting little traps for the other one. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, Tr- Trying to confuse Harry or Robo Harry. Yeah. <laughs> the bit where uh, where toward the end when he um, he reprograms the 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 doctor android uh, and uh to be a good guy um (laughs) that was like that and then like also the fact that this episode ends and there's literally no resolution to the crawls whatsoever like i know they just leave so like there was a scene that resolved the crawls and a scene that explained how the doctor reprogrammed the android and they both they just ran barely let's just ran out of time and it was just like Eh. And they just didn't shoot him. <laughs> it was like, I don't want to take another day. So they just didn't shoot the scenes. They just, so they just, yeah, it's fine. Whatever. And, and the episode is what it is. But that's why it ends so abruptly. Uh, Yeah, it, it ends with, it's kind of a, a charming ending where she's like, take me home. I want to go home. Or he's just like, no, I'm not going back in that TARDIS. I'm just going to drive home. She's like, I'll give you a ride home. And Sarah Jane's like, oh, I can't with you. <laughs> uh, she's going to regret that. Yeah. <laughs> Their next adventure is the farthest thing from home they could be. Heathrow um, Airport. Oh my god the the one of the like funny background things that made me laugh a lot um is when that colonel character is like oh he's the he's the first human to have been this far in space and like the actor that plays Benton like Benton and Harry both like look at each other because like they've both like been on the TARDIS. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> That's fun. That's good. Oh man. Yeah, you know this wasn't anything. This wasn't. Yeah, like I'm having fun remembering it and talking about it because it is, you know, it's like Cass said, it is just like such vintage who, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a little sleepy. Um, mm-hmm. And the crawls aren't the most interesting characters. They're just very like 
generic Doctor Who aliens. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, I I was looking it up, and I I let me see if I can find who it was that played them specifically. But um, the uh, I read it, but I don't know where I read it, so now I can't find it. Um, anyway, the three guys that played the three crawls that we get to see on screen, um, they've played like over a dozen doctor who like creature villains over the course of like you know from the from the pertwee era i think through like the uh i think through the davison era i believe and like you can feel it like they feel like a lot of them Mm -hmm. um their voices feel very similar and it's just very very generic yeah one of them even sounds a lot like a classic satarin Mm -hmm. yeah yeah. Yeah. I think one of them sounds like the um the villain in that episode uh about the the um the London fire, the one the Davison story. Um, oh. The Eric yeah. Sayward one. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. He I sounds just like that. He, yeah, he sounds just like that guy also. Um I'm pretty sure if I looked it up it's probably the same actor. <laughs> Because they all have, like, the same, that very, like, kinda... like, gravelly, like, raspy, like, I'm yeah. yeah. And they, yeah, and they both have, like, that, like, muddy lizard face. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, the crawls masks look like they were made up of, like, the residue or the residual putty from, like, the rest of the series. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They just melted down the scraps and like formed it into like something that had eye holes and a mouth. <laughs> That's a face. <laughs> yeah, they do look like soggy centaurans. Like, like they're yeah. melting. Yeah. Like a, yeah, yeah, like a bulldog mixed with a centaurin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that's the android invasion. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, What's coming up next, Scott? Uh, let's see. So next week we have um, the Fifth Doctor, and uh, we're returning to that that old giant snake with snake dance. Hell yeah! Yeah. Does a snake dance? Do you remember the story that this is a sequel to? Nick? No. Okay. <laughs> what was the name of that story? Um. Hang on, I'm looking it up. Okay, yeah. I can't. Um, it's got a giant snake in it. Uh, it is Kinda. That's it. Oh, yeah. I remember Kinda. Yeah. So this is a sequel to Kinda. Um, it is. Uh, yeah, it's going to be the return of the Mar of of Mara the Mara. Hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, it's uh. It's 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 a fun one. It's a fun one. <laughs> There's some good Tegan in that episode. Yeah, there I'm is excited. good Tegan. You're gonna like this one, Nick. I think. Um, I'm excited. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, that's that's coming up next. Um, and uh, yeah, that's uh, I guess that's that's all we got for you guys this week. Um, what uh that should have that should have ended the android invasion just that <laughs> title card 
Well, that's all we got for you this week. <laughs> <laughs> See you next time. <laughs> anyway, um, all right. Well, thanks, uh, thanks so much for listening, everybody, and uh, we'll uh, we'll catch you next week. Uh, if you're not a Patreon supporter, go to duelinggenre.com/support and check out what we got going on there. It's like three podcasts a week minimum. Sometimes it's more. I think last week we had like five episodes post into the Patreon feed. It's a crazy deal. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely the best Patreon deal you're going to find uh, in, in podcasting. Um, most podcasts charge you like five bucks and they're like, there's three bonus episodes a month. And it's like, it's three bonus episodes a week and it's $3. So, you know, yeah, I don't know. Suck it. Suck it. <laughs> other podcasts. <laughs> um <laughs> And by it, I mean our Patreon. Uh, so so check that out. Duelinggenre.com slash support. And uh, next time, we'll be back with the fifth doctor, the whole gang, and uh, Snake Dance. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.